wasn't trained to teach kids how to read. You know, I was trained to teach kids how to analyze. It's been a few months of something completely new and uh, an uncharted territory for us in our family. It so happens that the three of us have Zoom calls at the same time every day. My kids it, are playing. My kids are out in the sometimes. dirt. They're climbing and trees. And now they're not time. They still go to bed around the same time. Really but they're they discovering toys that they hadn't played with for a long time. Don't do that. I cannot take you to the hospital right now. Stop it. I'm needing that. It's not just about getting 108 pieces on paper. It's about letting them engage the way they need to engage. What's important? What's essential for learning? What's essential for life? a school without walls, like to actually have that. There's a lot you can do in a day if you just like take a breath and allow yourself those moments to enjoy it. My name is Jose Alvarez. And I'm Corey Austin. Welcome to the eighth episode of our second season of Beyond Our Bell. And if you haven't noticed, but for the last few episodes, we've been covering the topic of distance learning uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the third and kind of final episode in a three-part series. And uh, just to go back a little bit, we started with teachers who are at various stages in the online learning. And then we transitioned over to admin and we got up their perspective and we thought something was missing and a very kind of interesting demographic was teachers who are parents and the challenges that they face at home as they're trying to balance you know their work life and their own kids so uh, we sat down with three moms it just so happened to be around mother's day and uh, we wanted to hear their story about what it's like to be a teacher and a teacher parent for us as educators i think that like for everybody else in this business, it's been a time to thrive, but also a times of fears, and especially, I think, a time for sharing. That's why for us, we feel that the COVID-19 and the future of education and distant learning, far from going away, it keeps evolving. So for our next season, please stick with us as we try to go a little bit deeper into all that uncertainty and try to make the most of it maybe interview students, maybe you want to be part of this podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to explore on this topic. You know, we're even just the what's happening right now is the planning and opening up of next school year. Many schools around the world, all schools really are really, uh, you know, it's uncertain times of what that looks like. But people are working very hard at coming up with scenario planning and and is it going to be a hybrid model? Is it going to be face-to-face 100% or we continue with distance learning? And, and there's a whole bunch of moving parts in between there. Like, what does it look like for a new teacher coming to a brand new school who doesn't know the students or the community and, and all of these kind of moving parts. So we have a lot to explore. And like Jose said, we, we need to hear from the voice of the students themselves. We haven't covered that topic yet, but, but lots to explore. And we're looking forward to, to season three. So for the time being, thank you for being with us. Stay safe. This podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Our Bell. Hello, my name is Ale Cantu. Uh, I am currently a high school art teacher at ASFM. And I'm also head of fine arts, and I have been working at ASFM for 15 years. Yeah, more or less. My name is Kyla Ham. I am also a teacher at ASFM, the American School Foundation of Monterey. I have been here for six years. Uh, internationally, I've been teaching for 12 years. Uh, I am an eighth grade English teacher. Hi, I'm Melanie Henning. I'm a, an instructional coach in the middle school and high school at ASFM as well. Um, I've been at ASFM, this is my 11th year at ASFM, but I've been living in Monterey for 19 years. Okay, so I think what's unique about you guys is not only that you're teachers, and uh, a big reason why we're having you on the podcast tonight or today, 
is that you're also parents as well. And so it's been um, it's been interesting, I think, for, for both teachers and parents as we go through this distance learning uh, plan that we've been following it. But can you give us a sense of uh, where you're at as a school and as a parent in terms of timeline and distance learning? So in other words, like how long have you been being a, a teacher and a parent kind of COVID-19 online world? I guess I will start with um, the COVID-19 distance teacher-parent process started for us, I think, on March 13th. So I've been doing that. I've been a parent for eight years. My son is eight. My daughter is seven. Um, so I've been sort of, I will, I'll say the word juggle, and I don't want to, to say it like it's a negative thing. I enjoy the juggle, but I've been juggling parenting and teaching for eight years. But the, the COVID distance learning homeschooling started a couple months ago. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been interesting. It's been challenging. Uh, but it's been a few months of something completely new and uh, an uncharted territory for us in our family. Um, I have two daughters. One of my daughters is in sixth grade and the other one is in first grade. And so since we started uh, distance learning on the 12th of March, that was the last day we were physically in the building and we started doing distance learning, it has been, it has been challenging because it so happens that the three of us have Zoom calls at the same time every day. So at 10 a.m., both, well, both my daughters, the first grader, the, the sixth grader, and myself, we are all in different electronic devices in the house at different parts of the house having different classes so I'm teaching while they are learning and sometimes it's a little bit of um like a struggle or a juggle especially with the first grader when she's asked to do something or where when she's broken out into a zoom room and she doesn't know what to click and she's waiting for me but I'm also in a class so you know it has been interesting yeah that that seems like it could be pretty challenging, um, especially with even just like logistically or technology with like bandwidth and things like that. Um, but go ahead, Mel. No, I was going to say, first, I'm glad both of you remembered when we went and started COVID. I can't even remember how long ago it's been. It seems like a really long time ago. And then in a way, it seems a little bit just like yesterday. Um, all I know is that we had two weeks and then we had spring break. So, you know, it felt great to set up routines. We felt, I felt that by the second week we were kind of on a roll and then we had spring break that threw everything off just slightly and we had to start all over again. So that I think was a little challenge in our house. Um, I have a fifth grader, a third grader and a pre-K student, um, the, the one thing that I'm noticing is that the third grader and the fifth grader seem very self-led. They're able to self-pace themselves um, through their work, which is great. I just kind of do check-ins. But with, the, with my son, it's all, you know, he and I that we have to work on his activities together. He needs a lot of guidance and support. And I also have to record and submit all of his evidences of learning. Okay. Uh, so I've been like, I don't know about you guys, but I've been seeing a lot in mostly around social media and um, currently in Canada right now, listening to CBC radio. And you hear a lot of, um, and read a lot about parents kind of going through the challenges of trying to be a teacher, I guess, at home. And I came across one article um, from a kind of an online source from Innovate My School, actually, it's called. And a certain line jumped out at me, and it said, uh, there's this teacher, and he was explaining, like, his kind of experience with being a parent and juggling, like, as you guys are talking about. And he said his friends, or his kind of, his friends who aren't teachers, kind of, they made a comment, like, saying, oh, you're a teacher, this must be easy for you. I'd just like you to comment on what some of the challenges of, for parents, and being a parent and being a teacher for, for you guys? Um, I think something that's super fascinating is the reminder of best practices as a teacher ha has been really strong lately. Um, when it comes to like things like differentiation, for example, I'm realizing that in a classroom setting, when you have all the kids in front of you, you can read faces, you can sort of get a gauge as to where they are with different things. But 
uh, when you're in the distant setting, you have to really um, keep a good radar constantly on where kids are at, who's enjoying it, who's getting lost, who's struggling, and so on. And I think that the interesting thing is to be able to see that also with your own children as they're trying to navigate their learning experience is fascinating because it makes you be almost more empathetic to your students who are in that same situation with their parents trying to help them. And Mel made a really interesting comment just about the age difference. So, you know, her fifth grader and third grader are pretty self-sufficient, whereas her pre-K child, she has to really help navigate all of those things and, um, you know, take pictures and put things online and help them open the slides and do all of those things. And I think age is a big part of that, but I also think personality is a big part of that. And I look at my two children, one of whom is, you know, great at distance. He knows exactly what to do. And regardless of age, he enjoys it. He loves to learn and he's always engaged. And then my daughter is, you know, sliding off her chair under the table, wants to make everything bubble letters, needs a snack every three seconds. And, and I imagine that's what she's like in her classroom too. And she's an active, engaged learner, but just in a very different way. And watching them in that experience makes me really think about my own students. I have 108 eighth grade English students and it's so fascinating to see them in this different setting and to learn different unique things about their personalities and ones that are thriving in this setting that otherwise weren't and ones that are struggling and then how to differentiate. So I think best practices comes into place, play as as a teacher and as a mom. I think that um, one of the things for me is that I am a middle or I'm a middle school, high school teacher. And so, you know, as I'm working with, with Isaac as a, you know, a pre-K student, I am wondering, I mean, you know, we're given kind of the learning targets, but, but still I'm not, I wasn't trained to teach kids how to read. You know, I was trained to teach kids how to analyze. And so just even, you know, that skill set and making sure that I know how I, how I can support him. But then that makes me empathize with parents because I think, well, at least I can speak the language. At least I, you know, have an educational back, background. I have a pedagogical background. Um, and so I really empathize with the parents that have no experience in that whatsoever. I think the, the other piece too, is that I tend to, as a parent, kind of take a bit of a hands-off approach and let my kids figure things out and be responsible for their own things. And and I've received a few emails from teachers saying that they haven't handed things in. And I think, Oh, okay. Maybe I need to kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not there with them at school. I don't know if they need reminders at school. And so that's been something that's been a little learning for me too, is that, okay, yes, hands-off approach, but maybe do those, those check-ins just to make sure that they are on, on the right path. For me, I think the keyword has been flexible or flexibility. And I, I, I consider myself flexible. <laughs> but now I think even more so. My first grader, my daughter who's in first grade, she has an IEP, an independent educational plan. I believe that's what those words stand for, <laughs> those letters stand for. Uh, but she has one of those. And so she has to also show evidence of learning but her teachers have been very flexible and they allow her to, they allow me to tape her and so I'm t- I'm taking videos of her every day or you know like every time we're doing an assignment and I created a Google folder for her where I I made one of each one of her classes I put a folder for one each one of her classes and I just upload videos all the time because it's easier for her to explain in words what she's doing or her train of thought or when she's doing math and how she's doing the counting or when she did some writing, but her writing is not very clear. So she can get to vocalize what that storyline was about. And so then I think about that flexibility with my students as well, where some of them, as Mel said, or, and and Kyla said, some of them, they are loving being independent learners and others are struggling And so I have to be very flexible with them about like, okay, so, you know, this is, this was my original plan for the class or for the assignment, but tell me, tell me why this is not working for you. And let's find a different way for you to be able to complete it and feel successful, not just to be like, oh, check, done with that. You know, it's, for me, it's important that they are also 
even though we're doing distance learning, to try and keep that connection and to try and and make them feel comfortable and uh, successful at the same time. I wanted to ask all of you, I've been reading a lot of homeschool versus home education. In fact, my sister, she, she has three kids, my nephew and my niece, and they all go to public school. And she very quickly, within week two, she, you know, she got an email from the teacher of my two little ones saying that they haven't been checked check back uh, for homework assignments in like a week or so. And my sister just very briefly emailed, yeah, that's all me. And, and you're not going to be receiving anything from them either. I'm sorry, I'm working from home and I'm absolutely swamped. And just taking care of them is more than enough. We're trying to teach them things every day. But uh, the only one who's going to be doing actually homeschool will be my, you know, Mariano, which is the oldest, which needs grades. The little two don't expect anything from them. So I'm, I'm wondering for all of you, how do you juggle with that, with the homeschool versus home education? Is it an amalgamation of the two of them? Some days it's one, some days it's the other, or you have to keep up with homeschool? I am already, I feel like I'm already the parent and the teacher who really firmly believes in uh, more holistic learning. And I, I bring that to the table a lot in our school and in my team and department and and with my own kids as learners I obviously want them to learn to learn in every kind of setting and with every kind of personality and teacher but at the same time I think that uh play-based learning with little kids I think that inquiry is super important I think even in my middle school grades and I also teach high school and I also teach the arts I'm not teaching the arts currently but I do think that that hands-on inquiry, time to get into that flow state of thinking and of process and of, of creating is really important. And so I'm personally thoroughly enjoying being able to do that as a teacher right now because I'm not, I'm not limited to the bell. I am going beyond our bell. <laughs> That's my little joke for the day. But I think that I'm enjoying that with my own students because I, I, I do do a lot of project-based learning um, but that's hard sometimes when you're, you know, going by subjects, going by bell, going by schedule, which is obviously needed in a school of 2,500 students, which ours has. But I do feel like, as Ale mentioned, the flexibility piece has been really nice. And being able to, I redesigned my entire uh, final unit. I flipped it in a way that made it a little bit more... Um, user-friendly for the kids and the parents at home. And, and it's been great. And with my own kids, I'm kind of, uh, like your sister, Jose, I say at 9am and I, I'm a little bit of a, like a schedule follower, follower in a sense, like I like to get things done, but at the same time, I like to have space to move and to breathe and to explore. And so 9am more or less, my kids sit down both my husband and, uh, and I are both educators, so we sit down with them, and so we're lucky that we have that. But sometimes we also have Zoom meetings and, and things that we need to do at the same time, so it's, it's a bit of a juggle. But at 9, we sit down and we open whatever it is they're working on, their slides or their um, – each teacher has sort of a different system – and we work for an hour to two hours, and then I'm done. And what we don't finish, we don't finish. And I'm also, Ale, getting those same messages, or Jose, sorry, getting those same messages saying, like, you didn't quite finish this or this, which I appreciate the teacher, you know, taking the time to look. And and obviously, we're working on it. But they're also very flexible teachers saying, we understand you're at home, and that if you didn't get to this science task, we know that you're doing other things. My kids are playing. My kids are out in the dirt. They're climbing trees. They're they're playing with their pets. They're re rediscovering toys that they hadn't played with for a long time. And so I feel like it's a balance. I'm not I'm not going to totally throw their distance learning out the window. I think as a teacher, I feel too much of a I, I feel for the te the other teachers that are putting the time and work into those slide decks and into the activities and the assignments. And so I am going to take the time to, to spend doing that. But there's only so much time I'm going to do. I'm not going to spend five hours with my seven-year-old in front of a computer. So we kind of do like a nine to ten schoolwork time. Obviously, their meetings and their one-on-ones and their class sessions are separate from that. 
but we spend an hour a day. And outside of that, we home educate. We're going on long walks. We are brushing our dogs. We are, you know, playing Uno and doing things at home. And when I have my meetings with my students, I am reminding them that like, yes, you have these tasks and these things to do, but reach out to me if you're falling behind and I will adjust. Because if you're falling behind, I'm hopeful it's because you're also spending some time with your family or exploring your hobbies or diving into that project that you wanted to do. Because our students, even even though they're eighth grade and we assume that they're just, you know, social media all day, they're not. I have kids that are knitting. I have kids that are learning how to cook. I have students who are doing all sorts of great things. And I want them doing that home education piece as much as I want them doing the homeschool. And so I think that balance is key with that, with both my students and my kids. One of the things that I have, that I'm thankful for in distance learning is that my sixth grader has become a much more independent learner. And so um, in a way, you know, I ask her, we have conversations, you know, what classes did you work on today? How's your summative going? Did you finish it? Yes, no. And then she tells me when she gets feedback and, you know, she's excited when got a good grade for, for it. Um, but yeah, it's one of the conversations uh, her and I have had where she tells me, well, I'm not in the classroom with the teacher, so I can't ask her. So I have to like figure it out. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so that I think maybe she doesn't see that, but I am very thankful for that because she has had to learn to figure it out by herself. With my first grader, I, I try to keep her on track and I try uh, as best we can to have her complete all of her assignments because, again, I think of the IEP and I think of like things that I don't want her to get behind and I don't want it to be an, yet another thing that she will have to work on or come back from in second grade or I don't know, like I'm thinking too much ahead of time maybe. Um, so with her, I'm a little bit more strict with the, yes, we have to complete the assignments. And once you're done, the other thing she figured out is that because her teacher sends on Monday, the weekly slides, that if she works very fast from Monday to Wednesday and she's done, then Thursday and Friday, she's free. And so she has also been doing that. She's been trying to get all her work done between Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday so that she can have free time. Thursday and Friday. And I'm okay with that because she has completed what she was assigned. It, yeah, it's a little bit of a balancing act sometimes too, because, you know, I find that like the motivation was high with Isak for the first, the first week, but then it started to like dwindle. And, you know, if he hears that it's for school, like I'm all ready to like take the video. And then all of a sudden he puts on his like goofy voice or starts being really silly. And so I, I find that with him, like really giving him choices and letting him know, you know, as long as he knows, okay, these are the, the main things that we have to show your teacher this week. Let's try and do one or two a day, but you know, you have a choice right now. If you want to work on that, you can, or you can go and play in the basement for a little while and we'll do it later. So I think that like giving him the choice makes him feel as though he's kind of making his own his own schedule. And that's, that's helped us a lot. The, the good thing is, I mean, the most, the, probably the best advice I read in all of that, like new mom reading I did when we were, you know, with the first child was let your kid learn how to play by themselves. And, um, you know, it, I remember it said like, pick up a book, put them on the blanket with some toys around them when they can sit up on their own and read a book beside them so that they see that you need your time and that they can take their time and keep themselves entertained. And so luckily my kids are all really good, you know, kind of playing and, and uh, keeping themselves occupied. So that's been super, super helpful. And one thing I do hope that for a lot of the, uh, these other kids is that they are learning how to play um, and they're learning what to do with, with unstructured time. I wanted to ask a question that kind of, I don't know, it feeds a little bit off with all the things that you guys have been saying, but even in, in my own house, but I've heard some parents fo focusing less on assignments and homework and more on like family experiences and, you know, doing those things that we really just don't have time to do because we're just so busy with going to work, being a, a teacher, or if you're a parent and you're not a teacher going to work and just, you know, spending a lot of time away from your kids most times. But 
So as a teacher and parent, do you find this to be true? So are you are you focusing sometimes more on the, the, those experiences, which you did kind of comment on a little bit, but can you be specific? Like what are some of the cool things that maybe you've been doing that you may not have time for? I'm going to be honest. I'm appreciating the assignments. <laughs> I am not going to lie. And I'm appreciating school because like as a coach, my job is completely synchronous. And so I've, I'm usually pretty busy with meetings from about eight in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, of course I try and take time to make sure that we can have lunch together and all of that, but I'm not going to lie. I like during the school week, appreciate that they do have some activities that they have to be doing. Obviously, you know, the, some of the great things that, that we've been able to do is, you know, dinners together and then enjoy our afternoons together because we're not running around to different classes or different birthday parties. So we are getting more opportunities for that. But I think, I mean, I've always parented my kids that way. And so what's kind of cool is that they're getting more independence with that because I can't always be there with them. So for example, the girls are baking a ton on their own, but because we've always done that as a family, um, now they're, they're able to kind of guide that or do that with, with their brother. And so, um, they're getting definitely more, more time. I think Kyla kind of spoke to that, like getting to explore some of those, those things that, that we've instilled in them as they've kind of been growing up. But, but no, I can't, I, I honestly am appreciative of some of the work that they have to do. Well, I was going to say, I like speaking with some of my friends who aren't teachers, who are also moms, who work in different industries. Sometimes you don't have that luxury of stepping away from the computer. And I think that like, even though it's been um, like our Zoom or Google Meet calendar, I had to like, we all obviously have it all in our digital calendars, but I'm not by my phone every second to hear the ding for when someone has a meet. And so I had to make a chart to put on my fridge and the chart is insane. Like I took a picture of it just to have record of it, but between my kids are meeting with their teachers or their, they have three class meets, a Spanish meet and a one-on-one. So five synchronous learning experiences a week. And like Mel, I actually thoroughly enjoy those because I feel like my kids are at an age where they can just, you know, I can give them the iPad and their teacher is leading that. And I do love that. And I know that's a lot for teachers who also have kids because I'm also that teacher doing it. I, on the other hand, teach five sections of the same grade and I have them twice a week. Now I can choose to meet with them all of those 10 times or just once and do a lot of asynchronous stuff. And so I've found the blend that works well for me and my family. So yes, like some days are a mess of Zoom and meets and and making sure everyone has a device that's charged and and trying to figure that out. And my my husband's like Mel, his is a little bit more synchronous. Everything he's doing is kind of online. And so some days he's on from 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. nonstop. And so different days call for different things. But I will say that we are very much taking advantage of those pockets of time where we do have space. And I will say to my daughter, like, you're not going to go into that Zoom. Uh, She has her ballet Zooms as well. And my son has his music classes. Um, And I love those. And I I encourage the arts. And I I also encourage keeping arts teachers, extracurricular teachers um, in in those roles uh, engaged and busy with their jobs as well. And so I'm, I'm continuing with those. But I will allow my kids to take a break from some. And I... I think finding those pockets of space where you can enjoy the things that your family loves to enjoy is super important. We try to play music, like all those things that we do normally, we're doing more of. And so that's really nice. But one thing I just wanted to point out that I've done that's new, and this is like new in in the past, like I haven't done this in years. Um, Because I work full time, getting up at 630 with kids and getting them ready for school, getting ready is just a process in the morning. And so I tend to, once I do my hair, I try to keep it done for as many days as I can. This is a teacher mom thing. This is a mom thing in general. I will say this. My children know normally not to, like we have a pool in our yard. Uh, we're very lucky, but um, living in Mexico, it's very hot here. And we are quite fortunate that we do have a pool. I religiously 
tell my children not to splash my hair because like I have to go to work the next morning. I don't want to have to redo my hair. And I have like a wild mane of hair. So this is like a thing. And the thing that my children have told me that they are enjoying the most about me these days is that I have just given up hair and I dive into my pool. I get my hair wet and something so simple as getting your hair wet as a mom with your children. And, and I guess that's kind of symbolic of just like getting your hands dirty and getting like, just going for it. And I feel like I'm just going for it a little bit more. I'm getting my hair wet. I'm getting my hands dirty, you know, around all the other things that we have to do, obviously I'm just having a little bit more fun. So I think that's something that my children have noticed. I've noticed, and that's something that's, that's making this really a a valuable experience for us. And, and do your students notice your hair when you're on those Zoom calls? Well, good for you either way. Get, get your hair wet, Kyla. Oh, it's hilarious. They've actually, they've actually commented. Because I usually like throw my hair up in a bun and throw a sweater on because I'm usually wearing like a tank top or something because it's quite hot. And they've made jokes. And they're all turning their cam- – I, I teach eighth grade, so they're very self-conscious. And they all have their cameras off. And right away, like one of my first things I say to students is, okay, guys – I want mics off, cameras on. And it's a slow reveal. And I'm like, guys, we all have COVID hair. It's okay. And so, but then they come on and they come on laughing. And then we make jokes about, you know, how let go we all are. And that's sort of a nice icebreaker for kids. And the mics off thing is also interesting because with students, eighth grade, I can say mics off and they turn mics off. And then when I, when they have a question, they know they can turn them on. I noticed with my kids and also my friends who teach lower level grades, that's a whole nother world of, of stress is managing the mics on mic off. Like you have to actually turn the little kids mics on and off. And I watch the teachers doing that. And that is a whole world. Like Melanie said, we're trained as secondary teachers, <laughs> I think that elementary teachers have a whole nother world of difficulties just managing microphones right now, just to say. Like, I'm managing hair. They're managing microphones. Yeah. Um, one of the things I uh, am enjoying with my kids is actually Mexican lunchtime. Yeah, we're having lunch at 2 p.m. every day, which is also very different than the time we used to have lunch at um, when we were in school, which was usually what, like... It depended on the day, 11.30, 12, 12.15, 12.30. Um, and so we're really having that moment for us. Um, and that is super, super nice. And then we've also been playing more board games and card games and Uno and Jenga. And we made a puzzle. And then uh, I also got some very large coloring sheets for them. And they've been working on their coloring sheets and just having time to till together uh, the other day I said okay guys we're gonna they, they wanted to watch a movie and I said okay let's watch a movie but I'm gonna show you one of my favorite movies um, and so we watched the Goonies and it was it was great like they really they really got into the movie and they were like okay can we watch another one like that uh, then we watched the Princess Bride um, And I think the next one we might watch is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I don't don't know if you remember that one, but that was, um, I don't know. It was pretty funny way back when. So we'll see, you know, and just having those moments where it's just, there's no rush. You know, there's not, before, get ready for school the next day. Once it it was like 7 p.m., it was like, okay, take a shower and make sure you brush your teeth and put on your PJs and make sure you have dinner and then go to bed and don't talk to me. You know, and now, um, and now we have a little bit more time. I mean, they still go to bed around the same time, but there's not that rush of like, go get ready. <laughs> so that is, it has been super nice, at least in my house, not to have that feeling of like, oh my God, you have to do it now. You know? Yeah. See, Corey, I told you the sixth graders are, are okay watching the Goonies. Right. There's a backstory there. It's funny you said the Goonies, but I I don't know. Do you remember the opening scene of the Goonies? There's a lot going on there. But anyway, uh, I I see Mel, do you have your hand up there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, though. Like I I'll admit I've enjoyed the extra time with the kids 
Um, you know, we've had movie marathons and, and it is, it's really nice to, to really get this quality time. But I've also noticed for my own personal well-being that I need to make sure that I do take some time by myself um, through, throughout the day. And because like yesterday, for example, you know, I was all day working with teachers. And then in that time when you're not working with teachers, somebody always needs something. And I could just feel like kind of the anxiety increasing as the day went on. And then I went, I tried to go to the gym for a little bit and, and do some exercise. And then my son was coming in cause he wanted me to jump in the pool with him. And I was like, and I, I you know, I, I, I just felt really overwhelmed. And so, you know, the one nice thing about like bringing your kids with you to school, you drop them off and then, you know, you get to go and do your job. And so you have a couple minutes to think by yourself or to, to drink your coffee by yourself. And that's not really happening right now because we're all under the same roof. <laughs> no, nobody's ever leaving. And so that's just kind of one thing that it's been really, really important to keep in mind is that like, take some time for myself where I'm not like on the computer talking to anybody that it's, I'm doing something for me that's uninterrupted, um, to help kind of keep my, my being in check. Yeah, Mel, I, I'm going to just bounce in there before you, Kyla, but, uh, I hear you there. I'm on a 14 day, like, like pretty strict quarantine and I have a seven month old and a three year old. And so I find it pretty challenging to find any, uh, like me time. It's, it's, it's very, it's very hard to find. Sometimes I guess it's in the evening, uh, like this. Yeah. Or I, 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 I've taken up like everyone else in the world trying to bake uh, sourdough bread. So that's, that's a little bit of me time, but, uh, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Kylie, you were going to jump in there. Well, just both Ale and Mel and even you, Corey, like you've said things that just sort of hit a little bit of a, a, an, like, some funny triggers and also some emotional triggers. I mean, Ale, you mentioning <laughs> don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I think of like, we watched Homeward Bound the other day and my husband's doing a book to movie challenge with the kids where they read every night like a novel. And then when they're done, we have like a little movie celebration. So even those things that we do normally have our evenings with our kids, but we are usually not thinking about how to utilize them like we are now. And so that's interesting, like the, the activities we're doing with our kids, but also, Ali, you men mentioned like that rush factor. And I feel like as a mom and even as a teacher, one of my biggest regrets every night going to bed is usually, did I raise my voice too much? Did I yell? Did I like, t did I feel like, did I mentally or emotionally like squash these kids because I was frustrated or anxious. And I noticed a long time ago that that happens when I feel rushed. That happens when I feel like there's not enough time in the day, you know, getting your kids in the car to school at 730 in the morning and then getting your kids into the classroom at eight. And like, you're just constantly working on this clock. And I, I get that we have Zooms and we have meets and we have classes online, but Beyond that, the clock has just softened a little bit. And I feel like that's allowed me to breathe a little bit as a parent and as a teacher. And, um, and I really appreciated you saying that, Ali. And Mel, like you touched on that me time. I think that for eight years since I've been a mom, I am an avid reader. I love to read and I love to dive into like movie series or uh, what are they called? Episodes. I don't even remember because I don't watch them anymore. My, my brain doesn't go to that level as easily as it used to. That level of like getting sucked into a good book or getting sucked into a good series. I really struggle. And so I find myself just like scrolling Facebook because it's just a mindless task for 20 minutes at the end of a really busy day. And I, I have just recently set myself the almost the challenge and I'm not trying to challenge myself with too much during this time because I'm already pretty challenged with work and parenting but I'm trying to allow myself to like read a read more you know I've been reading some good books but I get only a little bit into them and then get distracted and so I think that time you know letting go of the clock and the stress that the clock brings to you as a mom and teacher and also the stress that the clock brings to your children and your students and remembering that 
you know, there's a lot you can do in a day if you just like take a breath and allow yourself those moments to enjoy it. So, and Corey, I just also wanted to, sorry, you said something um, about your seven month old and your three year old. And, and I know this podcast episode is about moms teaching moms, but I think also uh, working dads as well. I think this is an entirely new world for you guys. And in a lot of ways, most dads don't get paternity leaves. And I think that this is time that you have with your kids that you normally don't, but you're also experiencing that same insane juggle of parenting and working, whether it's teaching or not. And so anyway, those are my thoughts on, on everything you guys just said. They hit some nerves. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's like the paternity leave kind of in a way that I've I never had, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm working too. So it, it's a, it's a challenge because, you know, I'm, 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 sometimes I have a hard time focusing when, you know, I have two beautiful little babies to, to dis- distract me, but um, you know, it's, it's a mixed blessing. I, I think it's a great opportunity, but yes, it's challenging. Um, go ahead, Jose, you're going to ask something. Uh, I don't know, Ali, do you have anything that you want to add to what Kyla was saying? Yeah, I think um, I was thinking and I wonder and I'm hoping the bells at school, you know, I mean, I understand that right now because we have like a very set schedule and we have like core classes and then your elective classes and we're trying to make sure that kids get in all the time for all their classes. We must have a, a schedule and a bell and whatever. But by the end of a school year, one of the things that I'm most thankful for is not having a bell for, for the time we're on vacation, you know? And so even though right now I know I'm following a schedule and, and, you know, I have to get on my computer at certain times and whatever, it's just, it's so much free, so much more freeing, not hearing it and not, you know, I don't know, like it's just having that flexibility and having that little bit of more time is has been wonderful for me. And so I'm wondering as we trickle back to school, hopefully in August, that we can take some of those ideas or things that we were able to to do in this time and reconsider the way we we have been doing things and how we could change them, you know, and, and still make it work. And kids will still get educated and, you know, we'll, we'll get all their credits in for with them and for them and whatever, but just in a more human way. Yeah. Holistic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I think in our last episode, we were talking a little bit with the, um, some of our admin team, especially in middle school and high school and as well with elementary. And I think that we mentioned that we all feel that, the worst thing that could happen is go back to normal, right? Because that normal shouldn't exist anymore. This this whole experience have brought and deepened the educational experience for everybody and like completely changed the game. And I'm I'm we we're actually going to touch on that a little bit. But before that, I wanted to ask a question too. Um, to be honest, I was kind of expecting to hear a lot more war stories from all of you. And it seems on the other hand, and I'm very delighted to know that you're taking this opportunity to just really get in touch with your kids, get in touch with yourself, like to just find a new you and just make the most of it. But um, I can't, you know, I can't shake what happens. And I wanted to ask what happens when you hit one of those kids hit you with like, nope, I don't want to go to school today. Well, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. You haven't been in my house, um, you know, every time I bailed. Don't do that. I cannot take you to the hospital right now. Stop it. You're not down there. What are you touching? No. I mean, come on. Let's be real. <laughs> it's so true. And, and, and I think that moms in general, like, we're hesitant to bring up the horror stories because we want to paint, like, a, a nicer picture. But, like, I will say my daughter sitting with her, the, the, I, I mentioned like at 9am, we try to get to school and it is literally challenging me more than anything on anything that I've ever done to sit with her, even for five minutes. I have so much empathy for her teachers. She's an incredible human. She's fun. She's witty. She's, she's brilliant. She's creative, but I sit with her for two seconds and we go to record the video. And as Mel said, her son pulls out the funny voices. My daughter thinks it's funny to put her book in front of her face 
the second I hit record. And so like, there's always some ridiculous thing that they're doing. And then not to mention your own kids are not used to being in the house with each other for this long. So there's, there's fighting, there's arguing, there's chaos. Like our house is loud. Our house is not like sweet and quiet and like, Oh, let's do some distance. And then mommy has a zoom chat. So you sit quietly. It's like me, me muting my mic while I'm on zoom with 25 kids yelling down the stairs for my son to shut the bathroom door when he's peeing because I can hear it through the mic. And so like, there's all sorts of crazy things happening that we maybe don't mention. But also I think that, um, as Ali said, like that hope for going back into the next school year with some like, like renewed ideas. I don't even think they're new ideas. I think they're ideas that we've all had as teachers and as parents about all the things we want to do, but we just think we don't have time to do, or we think are too hard. And so you procrastinate getting all your stuff on Atlas or you procrastinate, you know, making that unit a little bit cooler and a little bit more globally minded, or you procrastinate sitting in your kid's room and playing with them. And you just, you're busy and that's life. But right now we've almost been like pushed, like full throttle into all of those things that we realize we're, we're perfectly capable of and, and now we're doing them. And so I do think that there's, you know, there's something cool that awaits us as we all realize, and not just individuals, but the schools realize the potential. The schools can say like, you know what, we don't need to take like five years to roll this out. We can like do this quickly because our teachers are good and our kids are smart. Um, and also I think that as a mom and as a teacher, in amidst all the chaos, I have been really reminded of the process over product part of this. As a teacher and as an arts teacher and language arts teacher, I always think like, I want them to enjoy the process. I want them to learn. But we're so busy and we're so driven by the bell that we sometimes just focus on like, get it in. I don't care what it is, just turn it in. And I'm having to really challenge myself when I sit with my daughter to be like, Charlie, no one cares what the inside of that little letter is colored with. Just like get it written and send the picture. And so I'm obsessing about getting the product sent to her teacher. And she might want to spend 30 minutes on like the weirdest little task. But for her, that's part of the experience. And it's really interesting that process over product piece has become just so important uh, with my students and with her. Like, it's not just about getting 108 pieces on Flipgrid. It's about letting them engage the way they need to engage my kids and my students. So it's just, there's so much to it, but Jose, it is ugly sometimes. I will tell you. (laughs) What do you say, man? Yeah. Well, so the, the first, I, for those of you that know me well, I usually have about five goals on the go. Um, And so I jumped into this thinking, oh my gosh, now I can do seven. Um, And so I took on the job of organizing my kitchen in the first week of attempting to work and uh, homeschool or home educate or whatever my kids. And I was sitting, I think it was Wednesday of the first week. And I was sitting in a pile of Tupperware looking for matching lids. And, and I, I just, I lost it. I, I was completely overwhelmed and I started to cry. And why did I take this on right now? And I think that was a super important uh, moment. And I'm glad it happened toward the beginning um, to, so, you know, I kind of said, you know what? No, Um, give yourself realistic tasks, but also be very forgiving of yourself if you don't get them done. And so, um, you know, you, cause you're seeing, of course you see on Instagram and everyone's organizing this and throwing away this and donating that and, you know, okay, well, what can I do with this time? How can I make it a live time? And there's a lot of pressure, I think. And so I, that I was, you know, that Tupperware experience was very helpful right at the very beginning. Um, and so I know now I'm still, obviously now I'm back down to my five goals, but I'm just making sure that they're realistic and again, being forgiving of myself if I don't get them done. Um, I also find it's very helpful to throw soft pillows down the stairs when you're really frustrated. Um, that helps me blow off, blow off some steam. But yeah, I mean, there's days when, you know, like I've got an almost teenager and so she wants to be more independent, but then she sleeps in until 1130 because she said that she had an alarm and she misses her Zoom call. And so it's just, again, finding that balance in the house, making sure that people 
that everybody feels as though they have some independence and some choice, but that they are kind of still meeting their goals. Um, and, you know, to bounce on to what everyone's saying, like this is, this is moving us to where we wanted to go in education. Um, I think, I hope a lot more quickly. Um, I always like, I work pretty closely with the, um, the business and tech teachers and in classes like entrepreneurship and, and creativity and product design, you know, you often see the really the most innovative products or um, projects come out when the kids um, find a need. And I think, you know, in this case, we had a need to act and to act pretty quickly. Um, we had no choice. And so we were all kind of jumped into this and we learned really quick. We got like probably some of the best PD that we could have gotten in the long in a long time because we actually had to learn stuff and then apply it really quickly. And so, you know, I think we see in, we we had a need, we had to adjust to it. And, you know, I think it's it's really, really important that we take some time as parents, we take some time as educators to just kind of pause and reflect on what are we learning from this experience and what should we continue to apply as we move forward? Um, you know, I think like, again, the being able to sit down as a family at night and have dinners together and not running around and dropping your kids off at classes and picking your kids up at classes and going to all of these parties that at the end of the day, does that, you know, we just all as a society need to slow down and really consider what what's important what's essential for learning what's essential for life Uh, I really like that Mel like the what's essential for learning and what's essential for life is so true and like I mean obviously we're moms so we're on Facebook and so we see all the great mom memes and all the blogs and I think that um, they've been very empowering and humorous and helpful um and everything educationally that we're talking about is is so important. But I, I want to also just touch on like, there is this thing. And I've talked to a lot of my mom friends who are struggling with this same, this same thing. And it is simply the fact that like, when our kids are at school, and we're at work, they don't necessarily feel like they're being neglected by us. So they go to school and they're busy and we're at work and we're busy and we get home and they might feel like we're too busy or they might want more time, but you don't hear the the phrase, mommy, why are you always on your computer? Or mommy, why aren't you playing with me? And I think that that maybe has been like a challenge that's worthy of bringing up is that like my kids, when I drop them off and Mel, you mentioned like you send your kids up to their classroom or to their school or whatever. And then you get to have like a minute to breathe, pour your coffee before your day starts. And you don't have your kid asking you like, why aren't you playing with me? Why aren't you sitting with me? Why aren't you doing this? And I think that that's been one of the hardest parts of this for me is like, if I do have a 9am zoom or a 10am zoom or 11am zoom or whatever hour it may be, I do have, you know, my kids asking me, you know, why are you working? Why are you doing that? And I have to remind them like, well, at least I'm not having to leave you for eight solid hours. But part of me is even ask myself, like, which one do they prefer? Do they prefer out of sight, out of mind or insight and distracted? And so it's been a little bit hard with that. And I agree with Mel, like they're learning to play alone really well, which I think is a huge skill, but it's still hard to push them away when you know that they can see you pushing them away. Like it's just a different, I I don't know. It's a different way of parenting and not just teacher moms, but any working mom, I think, or parent is dealing with that. Yeah, I I think I I agree, Kyla. I, I, I have that same kind of difficulty here, pushing my kids away when they just want your attention. Um, but I want to get in, uh, well, we're, we're getting towards, uh, wrapping things up, but you guys already touched on it a little bit. And I mean, the name of our podcast is beyond our bell. Jose and I, we always think that, you know, learning can happen, uh, without bells. And, you know, we're, we're seeing that right now. So this question, you touched on it a little bit, but, uh, how do you think this whole thing will impact the future of, of school and, and education? Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I am constantly remembering Mary Bride, and if you guys, uh, I I think even I think Kyla also met Mary Bride. Uh, she was a middle school English teacher and social teacher, uh, and she's a huge middle school enthusiast. 
and she's an amazing advisor and she got me into advisory and whatever. I love Mary. But one of the things that Mary um, was also passionate about is about having, you know, a school without walls, like to actually have that, you know, to have some where kids have choice and where kids can move around and they have a little bit more, um, they're more independent learners and they get to choose the path that they want to take, um, you know, uh, throughout their school years, still, you know, making sure that they learn the skills they need to learn. So they're, um, they're good human beings and they are, uh, you know, as adults, they can function in their society and all that jazz, but, but just having more choice, you know, right now, one of the things that we have is like a very rigid and structured system. And I know we talked about the bell thing and whatever, but I'm just, I'm hoping that this will really be a kick towards, you know, let's really, let's really, really, really consider making those changes, you know, and not taking five years, like Pila said, you know, maybe talking about it and moving a little bit faster. I've been teaching an online class for GOA, for Global Online Academy. And last summer I got to be, I got to participate in their summer summit where all the many GOA teachers meet together for a week and, you know, you get to plan your, your course and you take all these classes with them and just, just get prepared for, for the year because then you don't, you don't get to meet with your faculty anymore, right? Because it's an online class. Um, but there were several teachers there who have schools where not the entire school, but sections of the school already do school without walls. And the kids get to like choose their own adventure in a way. By the end of high school, they must have met certain requirements and, and they, have, they must have learned certain skills, but they can do it through the path of music or through the path of science or through the path of um, history. I don't know, like they, they, they were given choice and that made them more engaged learners because, because they're passionate about what they're learning. It's not just ugh, the class I need to pass in order to graduate from high school, you know? And so I'm hoping that that is something that we can really move towards. Uh, I'm super hopeful for that as well. And I think that um, different schools are at different places with this. Like I've been at different schools that are at different places when when it comes to like cross-curricular or project-based or even like opening up the walls as you're talking about. And last year we piloted like a choice learning experience with our eighth grade team And it was kind of cool. And we did it in three phases. And one thing we're realizing is that this exact experience, distance learning, is kind of like phase two of our choice learning uh, experience that we did within the school, where we had the kids kind of seminared, but then went off to their comfortable spaces and worked at their own pace on what they wanted to work on. Um, The issue with that was in in the school setting was that it was in conflict with the bell schedule. And so it was really hard to roll it out any further within the schedule that our students and our teachers were expected to follow, which I do understand the need for the schedule, but I really hope, and my hope as an educator is that this, you know, pushes us more towards that. Like we worked really hard on that choice learning experience that we rolled out as just a a fun little, you know, experiment, but now we're seeing it in action and we're seeing it working and with everyone. And so I hope that like this brings those conversations to the table and not just with my grade level or my division, but with my kids as learners, you know, I, I will, I try not to be the parent that goes in and says like, here's what I think and what I want. Cause I am an educator and I don't want to push my pedagogy on other teachers and my kids. I've been so lucky to have the greatest teachers for my kids every year, but I do see an element of like push towards rigor and structure and schedule, which I know is not just teacher mandated, but also, you know, school and, and, and community. Um, but I want my own kids to learn in a bit of a freer environment. I want them to discover and, and learn through inquiry and exploration and play and go into those, you know, creative and flow headspaces that I think are super important for kids, not just in the arts, but in academics. And I think that I really hope not just for me as a teacher with my students, but for my own children, like I really want them to have that learning experience. And I hope this gets us there faster. I think one of the other things that we've touched on previously in the conversation too, is just the idea that like our kids are, are, 
have the choice right now to explore things that maybe they don't wouldn't get to if they were at school. And I think that's a shame that they don't get to explore that kind of stuff at school. Um, and so, you know, when, when you look at like restructuring things and, you know, how do you, how I, we need to, to me, we need to bring that, that into like, how do we let kids really kind of explore things they're engaged by that they're interested in, give them time for that. That's not limited to, um, you know, an hour or, or 78 minutes. Um, cause you know, when you see kids too get, they get excited about something and, and then the bell goes and it's kind of like, Oh, now I have to shift and move on to something else. Like it, it you know, all of that's being taken away right now. And, and I think that we'll see some, some pretty neat things come out of it. My son, Mel, I'll just, I'll just say this. My son is like your ideal student. Like he just, he loves to learn. He loves to learn about anything right now. His passion is animals. It's been music. It's been anything. And he's incredible to watch him learn and has been since he was little. Um, And I will say the saddest thing I remember hearing when he started school and to no fault of any teachers um, or the school, it's an amazing school and amazing teachers. But his, his one thing was that I didn't get to finish always. It's like, well, I started this thing, but I didn't get to finish. And like you said that, 78 minute or 40 minute or 30 minute. And then it's like, boom to the next task. And that was the saddest thing for me to watch as a mom was him just like not being able to dive into something that he was finding passion within. And, um, I see myself doing that to my own students. And it makes me sad as a teacher when they're just getting there. And then I'm like, bell rings, go on. We'll talk about it next class. Or they have a good question. And I have to like, push past it because we don't have time. And I think that that's just so important for us as teachers, as parents, as administrators to consider. I mean, we have to consider that. And this situation is almost forcing us to face it because I think we've kind of been ignoring it for a little bit too long or at least like trying to get to it, but on a back burner. Well, you've already given us lots of words of wisdom. Certainly, I think uh, going beyond the bell is echoing loud, but um, we're going to wrap things up here. And usually we do that with um, people giving some some words of advice or how, how could you, what would you say to parents out there as a parent or, you know, through the lens of a teacher parent? I mean, you guys are special and unique in that sense. Uh, what would you say to, to parents that that are possibly listening or teachers who are parents that are listening or all of the above? I would say don't create expectations for yourself based on things that you see on Instagram or Facebook of other people doing. Um, <laughs> if you feel you need to Marie Kondo your house and that gives you peace of mind, then go for it. But, you know, I was uh, reading the other day, like uh, somebody posted, like, if after this quarantine you have not become you know, better, fitter, more clean in your house, or you didn't read a book or you didn't, I don't know, like, you know, like all these expectations of, of like becoming like a superhuman because we had this time. Well, that just creates a whole lot of, you know, expectations. And sometimes you just need to have a good day with your kids and with your, with your job. And that is amazing if you're able to do that, you know? And so, that's what I would say, you know, like don't create expectations based on what other people are doing and just do what makes sense to you as a family. Ale, I love that. And I think that's, that's honestly been like a motto for us. And it's hard because you do compare yourselves and you do um, feel that pressure. But I love that. Like, if you do feel the need to do something, do it. And if you don't, and it doesn't work for you, don't. And I think for me, my word of wisdom, I'm going to steal it from you from earlier when you said flexibility. I think celebrating the differences in our own children and our students and realizing that they're all different learners and different people and and need different things and work at different paces. And some are morning, you know, workers and some are aren't. And, you know, just understanding that everyone has their pace and their style and their system and their strengths and their, their um, ways of doing things and celebrating that and, and figuring out a way to work with that as a teacher and as a mom, I think flexibility and balance are just the most important things right now for, for me and my family. 
I think I mentioned this already, so but I'll say it again. Make sure to take some time for yourself, even if it's just 15 minutes, even if it's like hiding in your closet, reading a chapter <laughs> um, so nobody can find you in the house. But I think that that's really important because I think that brings us back stronger. But also um, break the rules. Um, I think that's another thing that I've learned. You know, I have like a no sugar cereal rule in my house. Um and I've been buying Fruit Loops and I've been buying like, uh, I don't even know what they're called because I never buy them. But anything with like nasty, apparently, yeah, yeah, the ones that look like cookies and then like the ones with the colored marshmallows. Ooh. And, you know, my, my kids choose them some days, most days they don't because they're not used to it. But, you know, it's like, to me, this is like the time to break the rules, to take a full Saturday and watch movies all day or to let kids have <laughs> ice cream sandwiches for lunch today. <laughs> Or, or that's what I did today. Sorry, that slipped out. Um, but you know, I think it's important to, yeah, just like every, again, what you thought was important before, it probably still is important, but if there's ever a time to like, just kind of break some of those rules and enjoy the moment, I think it's now. Well said. Well, I, there's so much to take from this episode. I, I really want to start implementing. I want to have kids just to play that Melanie's reading hide and seek kind of like game that she has going on sounds pretty interesting but I think that you all agree with something that is very important <laughs> outside of obviously throwing the, the beyond the bell kind of uh, phrase every here and then but um, it seems to me that the three of you like if you have a good day with your family and it sounds like you do that is the ultimate goal and, and, and that you are taking the time to appreciate that and to find that and that's everything because that to me is also one of the things that we should not forget about these times and, and the impact that it has in education. And it's when a parent is actively involved in it as well, either, you know, because it doesn't have a choice or because he wants to be a part of it, I think it's making a great difference, a great difference. And it's something that we can, we should keep. I just want to say again, thank you very much for all of you for taking the time to do this. Um, you're all very, very special ladies that I love hanging around, but this conversation has been incredibly eye-opening for me. Yes. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's been lots of fun. Yeah, no, thank you for the invite. That's a wrap. Yeah, we get, we get, we gotta say uh, and, and say a, a, a shout out for Mary Bright, which also we recorded an episode with her, and like we're really proud of the work that work that she's doing outside of school, and um, I'm glad that she came into the conversation. Thanks for doing that, Ali. Yeah. Yeah, she's one of my favorite people, man. Of course. Oh, I see Kyla raised her hand and put it down. She's following the rules now. <laughs> Well, no, I'm wondering. I, I'm really, con I'm really confused right now. Like we're not recording anymore. We are still recording. We are, but it's okay. You'll edit. Jose is a great oh. editor. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I thought when Ali mentioned Mary, I thought that was great, and then I almost wanted to go into some of the SEL stuff because Mary actually sent me some resources that, like, I really want to use, and I'm like looking and seeing like if there's a way I can implement them. But no, it's just. Even hearing you girls talk, like Ale and Mel, like we're friends. I see you at work all the time. And you know, it's just, to me, just, I was muted a lot of the time, but I was like laughing out loud to so much of what you said. Like Mel, reading your book in your closet. Oh my God. <laughs> that, <probably. laughs> that is the 